Well, Merry Christmas. Through this latest sermon series, we've been trying to encourage us all to travel a little lighter, let go of some of the baggage in our lives, and just let God have more control and to not be really weighed down by all the things of life. We talked a couple of weeks ago about letting go of distractions. If you want to hear these other sermons that you missed, you can hear them either on the app. You can find our app in the, any of the app stores, uh, Fog KC. Uh, or you can go to our website at fogkc.com and hear any of these previous sermons that you missed. Last week we talked about letting go of bitterness, and today we're going to talk about letting go of control. You know, I don't, know, I don't uh, pretend to know about every particular Christmas tradition or whatever. It's been very strange that the last four or five days, every day we go, leave the house, we find a, uh, a bag of celery on our front porch. I don't know if that's has something to do with Christmas or not, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we're being stalked. I'm not... Uh... That's one of those that I know you've grown here, but I know you're going to tell it tomorrow at work. I know you are. Hey, listen, we want to help you to let go of control. And to, that's what we're going to talk about today. How many of you uh, consider yourselves control freaks? Let me see your hands. How many of you consider your spouses to be control freaks? That always, gets a lot more, that always gets a lot more hands than the first one. Hey, listen, I want to share some things with you today, and I hope this will be helpful to you. I hope it will be beneficial to you, and I hope maybe you'll be able to let go of one of these bags like this, the bag of control, and get that out of your life. And here's what I want to start with today, and that's this thought. The thought and feeling of being in total control is a state of being completely deceived. Think about that. Whenever we feel like we are totally and completely in control, whenever we think it, whenever we feel it, we are really in the state of being deceived and we don't even recognize the deception sometimes. And we love the feeling of being in control, don't we? We love the feeling. I mean, it just gives us a sense of peace, right? And we certainly do have some control over things in our lives. We don't want to swing the pendulum and, you know, say that God makes us do everything and, uh, you know, I, God chose the color of socks I wore today or anything weird like that. Okay, we get a chance. God gives us a chance to choose a lot of things. You got a chance to decide what color of socks you wore today. You got a chance to decide uh, what drink you had this morning, uh, maybe in the, in the foyer or here in the, uh, in the worship center. You got a chance to decide whether you stop for a donut at Quick Trip, which I think is always a good decision, okay? I don't don't have any stock, okay? Uh, But I do leather donuts. But because, here's the thing, folks, because God has given us some ability to choose and control, we slip into the human trap of believing that we can control most, if not everything, in our lives. It's just a trap. Think about uh, driving a car. Now, we love the feeling of being in control, don't we? How many of you prefer to drive instead of being a passenger? Yeah, okay. Could be a little control issues. Now, I know when Julie and I ride in a car, um, I prefer to drive, okay? I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm looking at. I know what I'm, and I can see what's happening, and I feel like I'm in control. Uh, When she's driving, and she's a, fairly good driver. Um, I, I, I'm just, a, I'm a little nervous 
Because I, I, I wonder if she sees that car coming out. I wonder if she sees that. I wonder if she sees, you know, I, and, I, and so because I don't know and I can't get into her mind, boy, have I tried, uh, you know, they just have no control and it's a little unsettling. So those of us who love to drive instead of ride, it might be an issue for us. Uh, but even when we drive, uh, that feeling of being in control is really a deception. Because if you think about it, even while you are behind the wheel of the car and you totally and completely control this one car, you don't control any of the other cars on the road. Every car you pass is not in your control. Every car that passes you is not in your control. Every car that comes up to an intersection with you, it's not under your control. Every car that's coming in the direction that you're facing, especially on a two-lane road, you're not in control of any of those cars. That feeling of deception can be, um, it can bring us some peace that's not real. It's not good for us. Another example, we want to control our health. So we watch what we eat. Well, some of you do. We exercise. You exercise. You get plenty of sleep, drink plenty of water, all that stuff. Now, while that may avoid some self-induced diseases, for sure, that doesn't mean that you're in control of your health. People who take care of themselves. And we have all heard these stories. Here's this guy that goes to the gym every day, watches what he eats, his body fat is one quarter of 1%. He's, you know, really buff, lifts weights, all this kind of stuff. He takes care of himself. People like that have heart attacks all the time. They could have a brain aneurysm. They could have a stroke. They could get muscular dystrophy. They could get cancer. Even though they've tried to control their health as much as possible, the reality is they aren't really totally in control. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to do those things. We should try to be good drivers and avoid other cars. We should try to take care of our bodies and, and be good stewards of that. But we can't let ourselves slip into the notion that nothing can happen to us because we're in control. We can't allow ourselves to get into that place. The facts are, and we should accept these facts, Someone could have a heart attack in this room and die before the service is over. You know, that can happen. Someone may cross the center line on our way home and hit our car head on. Your company may burn to the ground this afternoon and tomorrow you're out of a job. You may get a surprise this week or sometime in 2020, a surprise phone call about your health and it totally turned your life upside down. And by the way, me saying it doesn't cause it, okay? So if you're thinking, oh, you shouldn't have said that because now it's going to happen. No, it's not going to happen because I said it. It might happen, but not because I said it. I'm just pointing out what could happen. Listen, there are literally thousands, and I can stand up here and just, just give you thousands and thousands of unexpected possibilities that could happen to us today or tomorrow, and they'd change our lives forever. And they'd put us maybe into a complete tailspin and destroy any thought or feeling we ever had about having some control over our lives. And by the way, if you've lived on this planet very long, you may be able to think back, even right now at these three or four or five or six times when something happened that totally changed the direction of our lives. By the way, these aren't always negative things either. 
You might find out tomorrow that you had a very distant relative that passed away you didn't even know about, and you inherit a fortune. That would probably change your life too. Or not always negative. But the reality is we're just not in control. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't make plans. We shouldn't swing the pendulum over this other side and be crazy and say, well, since we can't control everything, I guess I won't plan anything. Well, that's ridiculous. We should definitely make plans. We should uh, be organized people, all that kind of stuff. But the Bible is really clear. Whoever builds a tower without first counting the cost, that's not a good, that's not a good strategy. Making plans is a wise thing to do as long as we don't fall into the trap that our plans are always met that our plans always get fulfilled. Because I planned it, because I designed it, because I want to do this, it's always going to happen. In fact, for most of us, that's when we get the most upset, when our plans or our expectations are not met. Now, I give this example to people that I counsel a lot of times because it's just a great example of expectations, and I think we all experience this. But if you go out to dinner on a Friday night, and you walk into a restaurant, and they say, hey, it's going to be a 15-minute wait, but it's 30 minutes. Oh my goodness. We're like, what? you told me, you know, it's been 20 minutes. You told me it was 15. Now it's 25. Now it's 30. Y'all are looking at me like nobody else gets upset about that. I know you do. Okay. But if we walk into that restaurant and they say it's going to be 45 minutes and we get seated in 30 minutes, man, this is the greatest restaurant in the whole planet. We're going to get on Google and give them a good review and give a big tip and everything's more. You see, the issue's never the 30 minutes. It's that there's an expectation created when we walk in the door. And that expectation is either met or not met. And that's what our emotions are driven to. But it's the same way with our plans. If we plan, hey, this is what I'm going to plan to do, and I'm going to work here for this long amount of time, and then I'm going to retire, and this is what I'm going to spend my time doing, and this is how we're going to live, and you make all these plans, which are good to make. But sometimes when those don't happen exactly the way we plan them, our expectations aren't met and we just kind of, you know, lose it because we're not in control. That's when we get upset. When our plans become expectations and then our expectations drive our behavior and then our expectations aren't met, our behavior changes because we're just, you know, upset that we aren't in control. Now, I know how much some of you hate the feeling of not being in control. Some more than others. Well, I want to make you really uncomfortable right now by convincing you and helping you get this point. All those times you thought you were in control, you were never in control at all. And every time you think that you're in control in the future, you will never be in control then either. You've never been in control. You won't ever be in control. Let's look at an example of a young woman who today whose life was turned totally upside down in a matter of moments. Now, like most girls, she was 14 or 15 years old, and I've never been a young lady, but I've heard, okay, uh, most young ladies that age, you know, they've got dreams and thoughts about their future, and they've got big wedding expectations. You know, she had her eye on this guy. They were engaged to be married, and I'm sure she was, you know, getting fitted for her wedding dress and making plans and all this kind of stuff. Let's just see if she was able to keep control and live out these expectations. Look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And look at her reaction to what happens. 
It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Listen, all of Mary's expectations and plans were gone. Whatever she had planned for tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, they were done with. Her plan of being married a couple of years, maybe before having a child, gone. Her plan of keeping her good reputation uh, and, and because of her sexual purity, probably gone because people would talk. Her plan of fitting into her wedding dress, probably gone. Now, did you, did you catch what her reaction was at first? It said that she was greatly troubled. She was greatly troubled. Now, who wouldn't be? I, I mean, if you were a 14 or 15-year-old girl and, and the angel came and said this to you, who wouldn't be troubled by that, right? I mean, talk about not being in control. This is probably the least in control a person's ever been. All of her plans, all of her expectations about her future were completely gone in one conversation. And this might be, you know, pretty scary. Because if we aren't in control, who is? Well, there's some good news today. And that is that God is in control. God is in control. Look at Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. This is one of the greatest verses about just God's sovereignty, how, how much in control he is. It says, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? In Romans 9.20, it says this, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? In other words, uh, how can a piece of pottery uh, look up at the one who formed it and say, hey, why'd you make me like this? What are you doing? What's wrong with you? Folks, God is sovereign. And what that means is he can do what he wants, when he wants, however he wants, as much as he wants, for whatever purpose he wants. Now, folks, if we can get that a little bit, that'll really help us. You know, the word fear is mentioned in the Bible over 500 times. 
And the two most common uses of the word fear are to fear God and fear not. Now, when you think about that, you think, well, wow, it seems like a contradiction, right? Fear God, but don't fear? How does that go together? Well, let's talk about that for a minute because I think it's really important to understand this. Fearing God is not the, the, the act of just always being you know, frightened and scared like a little child. It's the act of recognizing and acknowledging his power and his position. It's, it's, it's fearing his awesomeness. It's seeing how great he is, what he can do, and just being in awe about it. Part of our need to control things and the way to get rid of that is to connect to the fact that God is in complete control and we will never be. In fact, any control that we have, any slight control that we have, the, the decision to go get a donut or not that might be in our control, the only reason we have that much control is because God has given it to us. He's given us some choices. He's given us the ability to, to live and make choices about things. But even when we feel like we are in control because we're making a tiny little decision that he's not going to dictate to us. I've never heard anybody say, I woke up this morning and I had a post-it note from God that said, wear blue socks today. Nobody, okay, nobody does that. But even when we have the ability to choose and decide for ourselves, it's only because God has given it to us. It's only because he's allowed it. And so we need to fear him in his awesomeness, in his greatness, in his sovereignty. But the second way fear is used most often is the words fear not, which is interesting because it almost, is, almost always is followed by why we should not fear. And it always relates back to because God is in control, because God is who he is. And so we fear him because of his awesomeness and his ability to control everything and then we don't have to be afraid because he's in control of everything. We don't have to be afraid because he's got it covered. He's got it handled. Now, that could be really scary if we don't understand this next part. Because it's not only important to know that God is in control, but it's also important to know that God cares for us. God cares for us. Listen, if God were a mean, nasty, and all-powerful being wanting to make our lives miserable and destroy us, well, our lives certainly would be miserable and he certainly could destroy us. I mean, when we see his awesomeness and his incredible power, if he were against us, it would be awful. But the Bible paints a very, very different picture of who God is. Look at 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. It's in his character. It's who he is. Look at John three sixteen and 17. I know a lot of you know 16, but look at 17 also. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Folks, that's the whole reason for Christmas. The whole reason God sent Jesus to the earth as a baby. The whole reason that Jesus took on the form of human flesh and came here was because God loved us so much. 
He wanted to offer salvation to the world because we needed it. Listen, we all do our own thing. We all, you know, we're born as these little sinners who, who just love to do our own thing and have our own way. And we grow up to be big sinners who want what we want, do what we want to do, and have our own way. But God in his infinite love for us sent his son Jesus to come and be born of a virgin, to grow and live a perfect life, and to offer that perfect life on the cross to pay for our sins so that by faith we can put our faith and trust in what he did to pay for our sins and we can be forgiven. We can experience God's love, not just know it's there, but really understand it, really experience it. It's a huge relief to know that our futures are in the hands of a God who loves us and wants the best for us in the long run. Now, that's not always what we think. His ways are far above our ways. And when I say that God always wants the best for us, uh, uh, you know, I'm not telling you that God always wants to bless us financially. God always wants to bless us with the best job, with the best car, with the best house. You know, it's not about that. It's that God is trying to develop our character. God is trying to develop us into a better reflection of Jesus. And he will do whatever means necessary to help us get there. And rarely, rarely is the way that God wants to take us there the way that we think we should get there. Now, I don't know if you've done this before. I'm probably only one of the few nerdy people that does this kind of stuff. But if you've ever, have you ever Googled a destination that you've driven to like 100 times? I mean, if you ever like, I, I go to this restaurant a lot. I've been there a lot of times. Eh, tonight, I'm just going to Google it and see how they would send me. I do that kind of weird stuff. All right. What's really interesting is this. I've found that sometimes the way that I've always gone and always thought was the best way really isn't. It really isn't. And many times when God intervenes in our life and moves us a direction that we weren't planning on going that's outside of our expectations, we, we can get all kind of crazy. Oh, I'm not in control of what's happening. And, you know, and the reality is, folks, God's just taking us to his destination a better way. He, he's, he's literally searing us to our destination in a better way than we thought was possible. We may think we know what our destination is and the best way to get there, but folks, he really does know. He, he really does know. Well, hopefully that knowledge is helpful. Hopefully knowing that God is in control and God cares for us, uh, that would be enough in our psyche just to know those things and, and get rid of our control. But I think there's one more thing we need to talk about, and that's this. We don't even have the power to control, so just surrender. Listen, just give up. Surrender. Now, we don't have a very good view of surrendering in our culture because uh, the most ways that we connect it uh, is to somebody losing. You know, at the end of a battle, there's a few guys left alive, but they're overrun and, and they're out of ammunition. And finally, one of them waves the white flags and surrenders. They're always the losers. You know, they're always the, the guys who didn't win or the guys who were, you know, just nothing left to do but that. And so they might as well, we have this very negative view. But realizing God's character 
Let me, let me just say this. We almost always view it negatively, surrendering, because we see it as an act of giving in to a hostile adversary. Right? When we see people that are surrendering, they are giving up to somebody that wants to do them harm. And they're surrendering. That's why we view it so negatively. But realizing God's character, how much he cares for us, how much he loves us enough to send his son to die for us. Folks, the word surrendering takes on a whole new meaning. It is a completely different definition. We are surrendering to someone that wants to make us better. Someone who loves us more than we love ourselves. Someone who has a better plan than we can come up with. We are surrendering to a whole better being than we are ourselves. Let's see what Jesus says about this. In Mark chapter 8, 35, he says this, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. Now, this verse is used quite often about martyrs. Uh, but I want to tell you that this is not a very narrow verse that's just dealing with people who are martyred on the mission field. Okay? Uh, certainly it does apply if you, you know, go onto the mission field and you're killed for the gospel's sake. Uh, certainly this verse applies to it. But it's not just talking about that. It's got a much wider connotation. What it's saying is whoever would lose their life. In other words, this is my plan. Okay, this is my plan over here. I've got my plans, my expectations, uh, the way I'm going to live my life, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do, how things are going to work out for me. I'm going to, you know, uh, die of old age after spending 20 years retired, hanging out with my grandsons, and then I'm going to die in my bed asleep. That's my plan. And God's plan is over here, and it's very different. I have no idea what's in it. But what this is saying is this. This act of surrendering means, here's my plan, God. I just give it up. I'm going to die to all this. I'm just going to let it die. I'm not going to expect any of this stuff. Now, if you do some of these things, that would be awesome, but I just don't have any expectations necessarily of what's going to happen. Again, it doesn't mean we don't plan. It doesn't mean you don't save money and plan and do things, but it's just your expectation is not that you're going to be in control of these things. And it's to die to that and be alive to this and say, God, whatever you want to do with me, you can do with me. However you want to use me, wherever you want to use me, in whatever circumstance you want, I am just surrendering to your plan because I know, even though I have no idea what's in it, I know it's far better than this. Even though I really like this because it's what I want. I know that your plan over here is much better. Now, folks, that doesn't always mean that this has got more money attached to it than this does. This has got a bigger house attached to it than this does. That's a very American, Western civilization view of Christianity. Many times it's less stuff, but it's a whole lot more influence. It's a lot, whole lot more kingdom influence. And his plan is better. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. He's talking, he's talking about the same principle here, but look what he says. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? 
Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? He's adding to this idea. He's saying, listen, if you gain all this stuff, if you do have this life that's just perfect the way you designed it and you have a good job and you live this way and you, you know, live in a good neighborhood and you do all these wonderful things, you have 20 years after you retire and you spend the time with hanging out with your grandsons and you die of old age in your bed and it all works out really good, but it's not been my plan. And you stand before me someday and God just goes, well, I guess you ran your plan pretty well. How disappointing would we, would we be to hear those things? Yes, you ran your plan pretty well. What Jesus is saying here is, guys, just give this up. Give this up. Let it go. And, and accept this over here, this surrendered life to Jesus. Because however it works out, uh, however the circumstances are, however he uses you, whatever he does with your life, you'll be able to stand before him someday and he'll look you in the eyes and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You haven't done what you wanted to do with your life. You did what I wanted you to do with your life. Good job. I want to hear that. I hope you want to hear that. Listen, we aren't in control. We can't always even control our own behavior. <laughs> we certainly can't control anybody else on the planet, right? We certainly can't make anybody else do what we want them to do. We can't control circumstances or situations. Oh, we might think we can in some level, but in reality, we can't. We certainly can't control them to always benefit us or fit into our way of thinking or into our life's plan. The very best way I know of letting go of this need, this need to control things and to just go, listen, I'm not going to let this be baggage I carry around for the rest of my life. I'm going to let go of this. The best way of letting it go is to realize that we can't control anything anyway. Know that God does. But trust him because he loves us. And he just wants us to fully surrender ourselves to that notion. Fully surrender ourselves to that notion. Now, even if we already know these things in our minds... The majority of time, we get all bent out of shape because we can't control things and we aren't thinking and acting on these principles. We, we might know them intellectually, but when it comes right down to it and you know we're in the situation, we fall back to our humanness and freak out because we can't control the situation. What's, what's funny about those of us who are already know Christ and are following Christ we have a tendency sometimes to trust him with the really big things, really, really big things in life. But we still want to control all the little stuff and the medium stuff. Oh, if we get a bad uh, report from the doctor that's really, really, really bad, we'll go to God and, and pray and ask him to help us. And, you know, but, but with anything smaller than that, we just still freak out because we can't be in control. Think back to that little 14 or 15-year-old girl. Her life was turned upside down because of that conversation. None of Mary's expectations were going to be met in life because she found herself pregnant and unmarried and troubled. Troubled. But do you remember what it said she did at the end of the passage? It's very important. Look back at verse 38. After the conversation finished, it said, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
And the angel departed from her. What did she do? She surrendered. She, she waved the white flag. She said, okay, God, this, is, this blows all of my plans. But in the end of the day, I trust you because I know you love me. And so whatever, I'm just your servant. Whatever you decide to do, whatever is according to your word, that's what I'm going to do. Folks, that is the key to giving up this need to control and no longer be troubled every time you realize you're not in control. Just surrender it to Jesus. Just give it up. And it's really interesting that it wasn't just an interaction between her and this angel. But when she gave up all of her expectations and, and uh, all, you know, all of her plans were destroyed, she could have still been very troubled because of the situation she was finding herself in, but she wasn't. And look how God took care of that. It doesn't say it here in Luke, but in Matthew, it says that God sent an angel to tell Mary's soon-to-be husband Joseph about the baby. She didn't have to you know, explain something terrible to him and try to convince him that this really was you know, a virgin birth. That could be kind of hard to convince somebody of. So God sent an angel to Joseph and said, hey, this is the real deal, man. This is legit. You don't have to worry about her. God took care of everything with Mary's family because it was clear to her sister that this was the Savior to be born. And so they didn't reject her. Folks, God took care of everything. And even though Mary's plans and expectations were completely destroyed, God used her in an amazing way that she would have never, ever thought of on her own to bring the Savior into the world. I wish somewhere we had record of Mary on that day listing all of her plans. Well, I was planning on doing this and this and this and this with my life, and da 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 da, and look at all this stuff, it's been totally destroyed. But I exchanged it for being the mother of the Savior of the world. I don't know what could be on that paper, but it ain't as good as this. Right? Folks, I want you to understand today that God's plan for you is way better than your plan for you. It just is. His imagination is so far above ours. His ability to see your potential is way bigger than yours as you look in the mirror. God wants to do a big thing in your life, but it starts with us realizing we aren't in control. We can trust him because he loves us and he wants the best for us. And uh, at the end of the day, when it all is said and done, um, he can do something with our lives that we can't do. We can trust him. Mary surrendered. We should surrender too. The best plan to handling uh, all of those feelings of being out of control, all those feelings of, of just not uh, being able to decide and figure out what's happening is to just surrender to Jesus, surrender to God's plan. The best strategy to overcome the feelings of helplessness in our lives is, is just to surrender our lives to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Give our lives to him. Live out the truth that God is in control. 
He's also in control not only of the universe, but he's in control of our lives. And he has a good intentions toward us always, always. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful for this example of Mary. We see that she was troubled, and it's probably a normal human uh, just response to be troubled when things don't go according to plan, it's according to the way that we would do them. But God, help us to react like Mary as after those few moments we respond with, I'm your servant, God. I'll just do anything you want. Father, I pray that if there are those here today that don't know you, they will put their faith and trust in you for the first time before they leave today. Father, I pray that you will help us during this Christmas season to just remember and realize that every time we think we're in control, it's really a deception. But you are in control, and we can trust you because you love us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. Thank you for his payment, paying our debt of sin that we could not pay. God, we love you. And we pray for you to help us surrender more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.